بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد کریم امباد الحمد للہ از دف جون ان the illustrious and eminent life of the exalted companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and I've reached the point where I've mentioned that our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa is coming to the end of his exalted life so subhanallah such was our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa love for Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu that he was specifically informed of the fact of his passing well before many others. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself said, Radiyallahu, May my father and I be sacrificed for our beloved Prophet who gave us the news of his passing six days in advance. So this is recorded in Bazaar, Abu Nu'aym al-Hilya, volume 4, page 168. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 52, he comments upon the chain of narrators. <coughs> Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 376 of the New English Translation. The Barani relates it identically, but stated that this occurred a month before the Prophet's passing away. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid also comments upon the chain of narrators. Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakad, volume 2, page 256, also relates a similar narration in detail. So here, the great Ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, he out of his love for the Prophet, he goes, may I sacrifice myself and my father for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He informed us of his passing six days in advance. So he passed away on a Monday, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So on a Tuesday, just the last Tuesday of his exalted life on the in the world, he informed Ibn Masood. So this shows his intense love for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Radiyallahu. Abdullah ibn Masood, radiyallahu. Then went on to relate his heart-rendering final moments with our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this mortal world. He said, When his Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam drew near, he gathered us in the chamber of our mother Aisha Radiyallahu His eyes welled with tears as he looked towards us Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam knowing now that the time of parting was near. And he thereupon said, Welcome to you all, O my beloved companions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you long lives. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provide for you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala steer you to what is correct. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep you safe. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you. Let's open the report. So Ibn Masood's narrated, radiyallahu, and he said, we entered the chamber, and when he saw us, his eyes filled with tears. And the reason was, he knew he was going to leave, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then, subhanallah, note, All in all, 
there was 10 sacred du'as for the magnificent companions, all of which ultimately came true. So this in itself shows how much he loved the companions, Can you think of another instance where he made 10 consecutive du'as? So he made 10 du'as for them, Why? Because they needed these du'as of the Prophet, Then he said, I advise you to adopt taqwa. Indeed, you do not know how I have pleaded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to care for you and make him my successor over you. So in the report. So he told them, imbibe taqwa. And then he says, you don't know how I earnestly was begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to look after you and to show, shower his mercy upon you because you don't know. Then he said, sallallahu the term is coming to an end. The time has come to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to Sidrat al-Muntaha, to a glass filled to the brim and to the highest companion. So just to add a few details. So the Prophet sallallahu said, I'm returning to my Lord to Sidrat al-Muntaha. So what is this? Sidra in Arabic, <coughs> it means a lotus or jujube tree. Muntaha means the limit <coughs> or the apex, a point beyond which there is nothing more. Thus, the Sidrat al-Muntaha is a tree at which everything stops. So this is the meaning. When somebody looks at the verse in Surah Najm, Sidrat al-Muntaha, it means literally a tree, the limit, the furthest limit tree. It means everything stops. Thus, whatever deeds go up, first stop at this blessed place before proceeding further. And all the commands descending to earth also stop there before descending further. So the Prophet explicitly said that to the Sahaba. He goes, I am going to Siddharth al-Muntah to a glass filled to the brim and to the highest companion. Now what's amazing, the Prophet has already taken this journey on the Isra and Mihraj. We have to wait until we die. So the Prophet, this was the second time. One was when he was bodily taken and now shortly thereafter he's going to be taken after he experienced death. The companions thereupon asked, Ya Rasulullah, who shall bathe you? The Prophet said, the men of my family who are closest in relation together with those who are closest after them. So immediately the Sahaba now are concerned. What are the rules now with regards to Holy Prophet leaving the world? So who will give him the sacred ghusl? He's my family. They then asked, In what shall we shroud you, Ya Rasulullah? He said, In the clothing I am wearing. Otherwise, if you wish, you may shroud me in a Yemeni shawl or in white Egyptian sheets. So this was the first unique command. We're not allowed to be buried in our clothes unless you're martyred on the battlefield. The Prophet ﷺ said, you can bathe me in my clothes if you wish. But if you desire, 
I give you permission. You may shroud me in a Yemeni or Egyptian sheets. So this shows he loved those lands. The Yemenis, he loved. He goes, I can uh, I experience the breath of Al-Rahman coming from Yemen. And he, Egypt is where his mother was from, Bibi Hajar, radiyallahu. And also his wife, the mother of Ibrahim, Maria, radiyallahu. They then asked, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which of us should then lead the funeral prayer? Upon this, we burst into tears, followed by Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they find it very difficult to ask. But when they ask this question, who will lead your funeral prayer, they couldn't control their tears. And they wept. And when they wept, Rasulullah wept out of love for the Sahaba. He thereupon said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, calmly, calmly, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive you all and grant you the best of rewards on behalf of his Prophet. He makes another dua for this. He goes, may Allah ta'ala forgive you all and grant you the best rewards on behalf of his Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. After you have bathed me, placed me on my bedding, then in the corner of my chamber, that will be my grave. Then leave me alone for a while. For the first to perform the funeral prayer for me shall be my friend Jibreel, followed by Mikail, and then Israfil. Then the angel of death, with his army shall arrive. And then all the angels. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his blessings upon them all. So the Prophet said, I will be buried here. Another unique honor. Nobody, obviously people are buried in the graveyard. Because you bury me here. And then he says, in order, Jibreel is the first. Then the second archangel, Mikail. Then the third, the one who blows the horn, Israfil. And then, look how interesting, the one who took his soul, he comes back. <laughs> the angel of death with his army, and then all the angels. And he made a dua for them, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you should then enter in groups to perform the prayer and to greet me. Meaning, none of you is the imam. You offer individual prayers upon me. The first to perform my funeral should be the men of my family, and then the rest of you thereafter. So he honored his family above others. Because they washed my sacred body. And they are the first to offer my funeral prayer. Accept my reply to your greeting of salam. And do not forget to convey my greetings of salam to all my brothers who are not present. And to every person who enters the fold of your deen after my passing. Subhanallah. So look how much love he had for this. He goes, I haven't seen but just a fraction of my ummah. He goes, everybody you see, he goes, give them my salam. He goes, in other words, you know, I'm thinking of you. I make you all witness to the fact that I am conveying my salams to him and every other person following me in my deen from this day until the day of judgment. The companions then asked, Ya Rasulullah, which of us should place you in your grave? He replied, The men of my family, together with a large host of angels, 
who will be able to see you without you being able to see them. So this is the report. So who narrated this report? The great Ibn Mas'ud. So all of this is recorded in Bazar Abu Nu'aym Al-Hilya, volume 4, page 168. Al-Haythami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 52. He comments upon the chain of narrators. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 376 of the New English Translation. The Banani relates identically but slight divergence. Al-Haythami in Majma Az-Zawaid comments upon the chain of narrators. Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 2, page 256, relates a similar narration in detail. So now, why is this report fascinating? Because it answers all the questions. People say, why did the Sahaba, what happened when he came to the Prophet And they give you the impression that nobody really knew what to do. And the response is, you haven't studied. The Prophet gave details. So let's take a few lessons from this blessed narration. There's many lessons, but six are worth highlighting. The first, our beloved Messenger making 10 priceless successive du'as for all his companions. Now think about that. How can you think ill of them? Forget their own virtues, you know, for the sake of argument. Let's say they had no virtues. The fact that Rasulullah has made 10 du'as for them, as he made 10 du'as for you, that Allah himself, not on different occasions, consecutive, consecutive. And then he says, you don't know how much I've made du'a for you, I've pleaded for you. In other words, you've heard 10 now. So why was the Prophet making these heartfelt du'as for his companions? Because he knew what they were going to go through. And instead of us looking back and reflecting upon their sacrifices, you get some deviance targeting them. Imagine, that's the entire deen. The deen is basically target the companions, undermine the entire deen. The second lesson, his honoring, the lands of Yemen and Egypt, by mentioning that they may shroud him with a shawl or sheets from those blessed lands. And like I mentioned, there's great significance in this. One of the corners of the Kaaba is Rukn uh, al-Yamani, the Yemeni corner. Why? Because that corner heads towards Yemen. <laughs> So one of the corners of the Kaaba is Rukn al-Yamani. If you touch that corner, what happens? Your sins get forgiven. The Prophet mentioned that. Said Allah, they said, Jibreel's there. He loves that corner. The Egypt is mentioned in the Quran. Allah mentions that Yusuf, he told his family when they came, welcome to Egypt. Allah quotes him. It's in Surah Yusuf. Where else is a Prophet welcoming somebody to a land? Show me. Welcome to Scotland. Where does it say that? <laughs> welcome to America. <laughs> welcome to Egypt. So Allah has honored that land. Of course, Musa was there as well. The river Nile is an, a river of paradise. It came down, the Prophet said, Now, the scholars explain, just like Adam came down. So the origin is from paradise, the river Nile. Number three, the companions anhum, breaking down when asking our beloved messenger about matters pertaining to his funeral. They had to ask, but they didn't want to ask because they were thinking, we don't want to ask these questions because that's like saying he's going to pass away. But we have to ask. And only when they got to the question about his actual you know, funeral prayer, they broke down. Number four. 
our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam then breaking down upon seeing the breaking down of his companions look how much love he had for them whoever hurt them hurt him sallallahu alaihi wasallam so when he saw them weep he wept sallallahu alaihi wasallam so what does that mean if you heard the sahaba you heard the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam if you loved the sahaba you loved the prophet and the prophet actually said that in a famous hadith in tirmidhi number 5 The archangels, alayhi salatu wasalam, honored to be the first to offer his funeral prayer. Therefore, the angel, thereafter, sorry, the angel of death and his honorable hosts. So imagine when you give salam at that holy, uh, holy chamber. Who was there? <laughs> you know, obviously, Rasulullah is there. You know, that's ultimate. The two sheikhs are there. Somebody goes, who else was there? Because Christ will be there, mashallah. Who else was there? And which one actually re- recollects all the angels? Every one of them was there. They offered a funeral prayer when he was by himself. Why do the angels attend the funeral prayer? You know, that's interesting. They're not under the shariat. This is honor for the Prophet. <clears throat> and, number, and again, the angel of death. He might not even ask you that question. As the angel of death attended a janazah prayer. I'm really confused with that. Yeah. He takes people out. I don't know about janazah prayer. That's, is that part of his uh, itinerary? Well, he came for Rasulullah's uh, janazah. So imagine he took his blessed soul and he came to offer the funeral prayer as well. And number six, the honorable angels, alayhi salatu wa salam, also helping to lower his sacred body into his august and unparalleled resting place. What did he say? My family and the angels, you won't see them. They're going to lower me into my grave. And what's happening now at this very moment? In Darimi, authentic hadith, Ka'ab al-Ahbar said, 70,000 angels are performing tawaf around the Prophet's grave. And they touch his grave with their wings. So why do they touch the Holy Prophet's grave with their wings? <laughs> Some people have a problem with that. Because you shouldn't touch, right? Angels touch, they're committing shirk, right? What's good? And angels don't just do things, and Allah has told them to do it. <coughs> the barak. Ka'ab al-Akbar is telling you that. The sinless ones are seeking the barak through a sinless one. Then what about us? Who need the barak? 70,000 angels, imagine in tawaf, right? Not, we can't do that. That's specifically for the angels. Tawaf is only around the Ka'ba, for the, but for the Prophet, the angels were allowed to do this, and they're still doing this now. Thus, alas, just a few short days later, the sun of the glorious light of Nabuwat ended, and our beloved Messenger وسلم, passed away from the troubles of the mortal world. The eternal peace and blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon him always and forever. Amen. So, look how beautiful. When he passed away, the scholars say, like Ibn Rajab, He said the mat of Nabuwat was folded. And then the mat of Siddiqiyat was unfolded. Look <laughs> how beautiful that is. So Rasulullah, revelation is finished. He's the final prophet. So now you're in trouble because the Nabuwat's gone. So Allah then comforted you saying, now Siddiqiyat takes over. The next best after the prophets. So the best left, and then the greatest of men, after the prophets and messengers, the Barani authentic hadith, then took affairs 
the head of state. So Allah Ta'ala was showing that he was looking after the Ummah. And also, there's a hadith. The hadith is in Sahih Muslim. The Prophet said aloud, this is the meaning of the hadith. The Prophet said aloud, he said, when Allah Ta'ala is angry with the nation, he destroys it whilst their Prophet looks on. But when he's happy with the nation, the Prophet passes away with, and he sees his Ummah with happiness. So again, you stupid Rawafid, right? You know, that's all they are. They say, absolute fruitcakes. Which one did the, which one does the prophet fall into then? Was his nation wiped out? He goes, no. Otherwise, you won't be here. So which one is it? The prophet said that when Allah Taala is happy, the prophet passes away, and he's looking with affection at his ummah. And isn't there that touching report where the prophet said, Allah at the very last day of his blessed life, he he moved the the curtain. And then he saw Abu Bakr leading the prayer and his face was shining. And he smiled. So why was he smiling? Because this was what the Prophet said, what Allah Ta'ala promised. So Allah Ta'ala was happy with the Ummah of the Prophet So again, very clear signs, but unfortunately, you know, people... But what's fascinating is the great Ibn Mas'ud, he narrates this hadith. People question this, because why was it that the great Ibn Mas'ud narrated this? Because he was the intimate one of the Prophet So all I mentioned today was now the tragic passing of our beloved but the beautiful report and this knowledge was given six days before he passed away. So they were fully prepared. Even though they didn't want it to happen, they knew it was coming. And then of course he passed away in the month of Rabbi Al-Awl. And uh, what's touching is that his son had passed away, Ibrahim. Ibrahim passed away a month and a half prior to him. So on the face of it, you'd think, why did Allah Ta'ala do that? Rasulullah is now coming right at the end of his holy life. Allah Ta'ala took his son because he wanted Rasulullah to be with his son. But he wanted to give him that honor, further honor of going through the patience of losing a son. Look how much honor Allah Ta'ala gave to the Prophet Why? Because he hadn't lost a son in the booth. So Allah Ta'ala said, I will take him, you'll have him for a while, but I will take him, but don't worry. You'll join him soon. So look how touching. As soon as he left, he must have hooked his son, Ibrahim radiallahu. So all of this was now coming. And this shows that Allah Ta'ala's mercy is beyond comprehension. And this is uh, also what's interesting about Ibrahim to finish. Ibrahim radiallahu, there's an authentic hadith in Ibn Majah. And the meaning of the hadith, the Prophet said, if he had lived, he would have become a prophet. If he had lived, he would have become a prophet. So that was a sign to the Sahaba. He's not going to live. You know, we're, we're just sleeping through it. It's, imagine Sahaba hearing that. If he had lived, he's going to die. <laughs> right? Because they can't be a prophet. So the prophet actually knew Allah has given me a son, but he's going to take him. And then what happened when he passed away? He did weep the Prophet. And then some of the Sahaba got confused. Abdul Rahman ibn Yaqoz, shedding tears. Sa'ad ibn Yawbadah. And the Prophet goes, this is Rahmah. But I won't say anything to displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then there was an eclipse. And when the eclipse occurred, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? The sun and the moon are, do not eclipse on the birth or death of any person. These are the signs of Allah. When you see them rush to prayer, and one report said, give sadaqah. Now think about that. That's in the hadith in Bukhari. That's a sign of Nubut. Why? Because if you were an imposter, 
He's not going to let that moment pass. People are talking. He, oh, look, God showing his his you know his condolences. An imposter would have snapped that. You're right. That proves I'm the prophet. Did he say that? He corrected him. Because what are you talking about? The sun and the moon are only signs of Allah. They don't eclipse on the birth or death of any man. And the scholars look back and they actually work out the time of the eclipse. And they worked it out. <laughs> you know, you can actually go back. Because the sun and the moon, you can calculate forwards and backwards. And it was exactly as the hadith in Bukhari mentions. The date, the line, the, the time period. Subhanallah. Are there any questions? Subhanallah <laughs> <laughs>